Hello and welcome to Inglorious Artists, episode number 28, and I am Peter Holland. And today I'm talking to magician and street performer Charlie Caper, a Swedish magician who has been doing this full-time since around the millennium and has been traveling the world doing shows in 52 countries and in several languages. And now he's got a magic show revolving around robots because he's also into robotics and computer programming. During our talk, we got into the ups and downs of the life of a magician and traveling performer, gigs that hasn't gone completely as planned, the ethics and the code of conduct in what is the society of magicians and street performers, how he got started, how he won Sweden's Got Talent, getting in trouble with the law, and everything else that surrounds the nomadic lifestyle of that type of performer. So this is my conversation with Charlie Caper. Talking about accents. Uh, what were you saying about accents? You had a story about accents? What? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We were talking about accents just before starting this. And I uh, I perform in English a lot. Yeah. And um, once I decided I was going to try to do a Swedish, more Swedish character. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I, I thought, oh, maybe that'll be nice. To, so I decided to do a, a couple of shows with a extremely Swedish accent uh, that's like this. So I was you. I was doing my whole show in this way, mm. and uh, uh, I was doing a show in Ireland, mm. uh, a street show on Grafton Street, mm. quite late in the evening. And what city is that? Uh, in Dublin. In Dublin. Yeah. And I I ended up getting in a fight, <laughs> like these three mm. three guys in the audience. They were really aggressive, and one of them attacked me after the show. This, it's the kind of thing that can happen if you're doing a street show, like one in a thousand shows. But if you do okay. 5,000 street shows, it's going to happen to you five times. Five times, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's five too many, but yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I got into this crazy fight. I had to defend myself. And that was like that was the first show I did with this really Swedish accent. So I was like, "Yep, no, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> so I what, just did I, you feel I it, never did it again. I never did a Swedish accent again. What did you feel <laughs> like it had something to do with the accent? I don't know, like what, because because I, I had done like thousands of shows before that, and those things that did not mm. happen. And then I do one with a Swedish accent, and people attack me. I yeah, was like, okay. I'm not going to do that again. It's it's bad mojo. Finally, I didn't think I'm never going to do street shows again. I just I thought know. I'm not, never going to do a Swedish accent again. Because you won't, you know, you won't stop doing street shows because you love it. Don't yeah, you? yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah, you uh, why stop. would you, you know? Um, but why do people want to fight when you do a street show? I don't know. I mean, it's not a common thing. But it's, is it provoking again, it's like, to some it's, dudes? It's this kind of thing that it will happen once in a very rare while. Yeah, I think it is. All right. Uh, also, I, I, it happens that people want to mug you. Okay, that yeah. can happen. They, yeah, they yeah. see you're in the street and you're making money and you're paid in cash, mm, mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm. alone from another country, so you probably don't have five friends around. Mm, mm, yeah, and then mm. they they decide they they want to mug you. That could lead to that too. But I, I think also they they can just get annoyed. Uh, also, I get I, I guess a, some street performers can be quite annoying and quite provocative sure yeah i've seen uh, that but which, I, I, which can yeah. lead 
uh, to to altercations and stuff. But yeah, yeah. If they do something like with the audience and maybe make some kind of comment or yeah, yeah. or just shout stuff at someone walking past. Like, oh yeah, yeah, and that can know. start something going. Yeah, mm. who knows? Yeah, right, right, right. I, I don't think I do. I would think any. I mean, I, I my street show is extremely not like that. So, mm. and I, I, I'm, I don't remember that show particularly, but I can't imagine that I was doing anything to provoke anyone. No, I guess it's just dudes who don't like you getting a lot of attention and whatever. That would be the yeah. most common, yeah, common thing. Yeah. Or drunken people that decide to, to, um, like just have fun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I used to do some street shows in in Zurich a long time ago, okay. and there was. Uh, for some reason, I was on this street in Zurich. I don't remember the name of it. And every weekend you did shows there. In the evening, there would be like three or four uh, stag nights passing through your show. Mm. Uh, passing mm. through, And they would always come from the left. I was standing <laughs> in the same place all the, whenever I did shows there. And they would always come from that, like the north Mm-hmm. And um, that was the flow. So maybe that was a tradition that stag knights walked on the yeah, street, no, whatever. And no. you would see them stop, like in the corner of your eye, you would see them stop like 30 or 40, 30 meters down the street. Mm-hmm. And you're doing your show, you've got a nice audience, and you see these stag knights, they're loud and they stop and they get quiet. And you're like, oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then they kind of get into a huddle mm-hmm. and then they decide on something hilarious for oh, the, yeah, that, that they're yeah. going to force the stag guy to do where. He's gonna run in onto the, uh, like, onto the stage mm. in front of two hundred people and and do the helicopter or something like this. Sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's one of the like there that would just happen three mm. or four three or four times a day if you're in the in the weekend. Four times like. a day. <laughs> wow. Okay. Mm. And uh, and the opposite, like Hindus, uh, have another kind of. There's another style. thing. Yeah, there's an, it's another style. Mm. I've had a couple of Hindus storm my my street show, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. not the same thing. No, no, no. I guess they have another thing going. Yeah, like run up and kiss you or whatever stuff like that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. There's mm. stuff. Yeah. A bit of um, background here. First of all, you were the first magician I have on, so oh, good woo-hoo. for you. <laughs> uh, maybe another one in the close future. Oh yeah, uh, but you've been doing this for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, I, mean, I, I'm, I I'm getting you, old now. Well, not I, you. Don't look it anyway. Well, I think we're about the same age, actually. Uh, probably, yeah. I'm uh, around forty. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but I met you all the way back in '97, uh, and we, I was doing lo- very local local television. Uh, and we were yeah. doing, and we did a uh, like a documentary about meat eating and veganism and vegetarianism and stuff. And we had you on as a, as a guest for to represent. Well, was, did you, were you a vegan or a vegetarian back then? I was then? definitely a vegan. Vegan then. back then, yeah. Yeah. Still or? Yeah, no, I'm vegetarian still. Vegetarian. Still, yeah, yeah, I was vegan mm. for twelve years, and then I. Right. Then it was a long time in India. Uh huh. And uh, I, and I got uh, convinced to eat a lot of cheese. Okay, for like Ayurvedic uh, reasons. No, no, or, just because they have no tofu in in India. Okay, so and it's I, just necessity. I like tofu, and then the, yeah, so then mm. then they have paneer, which is a cheese, and I was like, I'm gonna yep. eat all the cheese. Mm, and once you start right. eating cheese, mm. you know, mm, yeah. Okay, so it's a, like convenience and stuff that does play in, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, cheese is really tasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can be. That's true. I try to stay stay away from that from you know, for different reasons, uh, health and uh, ethics and yep. politics and everything, all the reasons. Um, and but, but back then you were doing street performing and uh, stuff like that already because I think I met you again later, probably like that year or something, and I was filming something on the street. And I was in your way because you just came up and I'm going to perform here. Uh, can, really? Can, can you move? I'm like, yeah, just 10 seconds. I need to get the shot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think you were going to start juggling. That must then have been a bit late. Or maybe, I mean, I, I was actually, I was trying to do some street shows with juggling when I was like 16. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it never, it never went anywhere. I didn't see, I didn't see any other street performer. I had never seen a real street performance. So there was no, like, I had it in my, like, the sort of, what's it called, the consciousness, the mm, general mm, mm. Uh, consciousness, but I had never seen a street, I didn't know how to do it, So mm. I, and I tried a bit, and then I gave up on it, and then I, I didn't really become a, a, a real street performer until later on in London, mm-hmm. um, like around the age of 21, 22-ish. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. mm. Around the millennium, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but you're from here. You're from uh, town. You're from Malmo. Yep. And uh, I think I re- remember reading somewhere about you that you just got the interest to do magic and then went to the library to get some books on the subject. And from there on, you. Yeah. It's, well, it's true. It's, but I think it's the other way around. I I, uh, I was interested in another subject, memory technique, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, and I was like eight, eight or nine years old. And I went to the library and I, I was reading books about memory technique. And then um, there's a guy who's written books about both memory technique and magic mm-hmm. called Harry Lorraine. And um, so by accident, I found a magic book. Mm. And right. that, that's how I got into it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I was in the, my teens, I also had like an interest in, in magic stuff. So uh, I think, you know, I saw stuff with David Copperfield on the tv and whatever and and i went to the same library and uh, mm. you know got the probably some of the same books they only had three so you probably did yeah <laughs> and <laughs> and then i just fooled around with it for a bit and thought this was fun but then i stopped and then you, and you continue that's probably the, the you know, yeah. big difference and that you started earlier so yeah um so i you know i learned the some Hiding coins and uh, palming cards and all that, you know, close-up magic kind of stuff back then. I don't know it anymore. Right. Those things also went in waves for me. I had like a, probably a two or three year period when I didn't do any magic. And then okay. for some somehow mm. it came back. Actually, I, I, I before high school, I remember I had stopped. And then I started in high school and there was a guy in my class called Jacob. Um, and he started doing he showed me a card trick like mm. half a year in or something into high school. Mm. And, uh, and so he showed me a card trick and I was like, oh, that's cool. I can show you a card trick. Mm-hmm. And I could see in his face that he was like, oh, now he's going to do one of the stupid card tricks that people that had never done any magic mm-hmm. want to show you that I've seen a million times. Like, and, uh, and, I, I, and I really fooled him. And he was like, what? Mm-hmm. what? <laughs> I've been doing this since I was nine, Holmes. <laughs> yeah. And then, then uh, we just got... Like then he got me back into it. I think mm, mm. Um, he's now a professional magician. Actually, okay, <laughs> him too. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. But very mm. good one. Uh, Does it go by any uh, stage name? Hey, Jacob Prenstam. It's his real name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. You have a stage name. How did I have you, a stage name. How did you come to choose that? 
So my real name is is uh, Kalle Baseus, uh, mm. and uh, it turns out that Kalle, which I not realized this when I moved to London, that Kalle is not a very good name in English. Like it kind of ah. uses vowels that don't exist. Mm, and, Kali and whatever. You know, yeah, you try it's to like maybe yeah. There. The close the thing that the probably people will hear is Kali, like mm, the, yeah. the goddess, the goddess of, death. of death. <laughs> That's <laughs> Which, not bad. I guess if I was choosing now, I would. Uh, <laughs> but mm. um, uh, yeah, I just kind of went well, and and then I was I knew at that point that I was going to be a professional performer, or at least I was going for for being a performer, mm. and um, I thought I, I should have a name that. In, in English-speaking countries, people hear it, and if they Google it, they can find me. Mm. That right. was like one right. of my criteria. Yeah. And then in in Swedish, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is translated to Kallo Kvokladfabriken, mm. mm. and I kind of translated that backwards and thought, okay, my name is going to be Charlie. Mm. Yeah. And then I just picked Caper because it was like a nice alliteration and and uh, it was a cool name, a uh, cool word as well doing a caper yeah uh, yeah it, it kind of went, was playful. funny yeah. yeah but how did you i mean you're successful at what you do i mean if you look at what you your your bio and that having performed in what 51 countries and a bunch of languages yeah. and uh, you've won awards and you won talent shows and what have you you know you can make a living doing this so that's that's semi successful at least. I was yeah, it's my life. Yeah. I mean, it's my living and it's my life. Yeah, but how did that get going? Like, uh, what was the process to be a professional, working, living, doing this? For me, it actually went through street performing. I was mm. in London. Um, I was working as a computer programmer for a short time. Mm, yeah, uh, and then I got to know a couple of street performers in Covent Garden, uh, specifically a guy called Gary, who's a good friend of mine, who's a magician, and. Um, yeah, I was hanging out with him every weekend and and uh, playing chess and talking about life and like, you know, make, creating magic tricks. And occasionally he would get up and go, I'm going to go to a show. And then he went and did a show and then he came back with a bag of money. Mm-hmm. And then we kept having <laughs> having coffee. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, so it slowly dawned on me that, that that was like the nice days of my week. And I was like, I'm doing that on Friday, on Saturdays and Sundays, but he's doing that every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. Ambitious, working hard. And then I, I decided to start doing street shows, mm. um, which is which is tricky. Yeah, I, I would yeah, guess yeah. it's it's kind of like what it is to decide that you're going to be a stand-up comedian or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That you're going to go out and just die on stage <laughs> over and over for yeah. a while. But you know? there is one like important difference i would say i mean a stand up comedian has to go up on a stage designed to do stand up comedy so even if the the audience might be like okay show us what you got being kind of hostile at some points uh you are in a situation where it's a comedy club or a, you know comedy night or whatever but right. when you're on a street you have to like stop people and be like look at me yeah. and entertain people who are not really ready to be entertained in that way yeah and 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 you you end up quite quickly you start to learn to stop a couple of people mm-hmm. but then you you find this like you maybe you, like in the beginning i guess i had planned out like a 15 minute show or something like this that mm-hmm. i was doing and then and these were good, good, this was good magic, you know, like mm, I was doing mm. this magic in fancy corporate shows as well and being paid oh, good money cool. in other situations to do the same things. Mm. And then like you start doing this little show and halfway through, everyone just kind of turns around and walks off mm. you know, uh, uh, <laughs> and it's quite, 
very painful. Yeah. And then, like, during the time when I was really learning, that that's something that I would experience, like, 12, 15 times a day. Wow. And it was kind of, it's rough. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. How do you keep going when you have those I, I had trouble with it. I, um, I kept coming up with, like, weird excuses of why not to do it. Or, or, or not why not to do it, but, like, why... Why today was maybe, maybe I mean, I have to do laundry today, so I can't go in or mm-hmm. I have to, mm-hmm. like, I just mm-hmm. came up with excuses. Mm-hmm. But I could also see this on some meta level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to, uh, that I was really going to try this. And I went on a big holiday to rest uh, on a beach in Asia. Uh, and I spent all my money. And then I came back to London. I paid for one month of rent. And then, like, a day later, I had no money. So I was okay, mm. if I'm going to eat now, I have to make 20 quid uh, doing street shows. Mm. And it turns out hunger, very good motivator. Yeah. Uh, so then I started, then I actually went out and did 10, 15 little shows a day. Mm. Mm. And I, I, that was at the start of a summer. And at the end of the summer, I had a decent little street show. And I also th- really enjoyed it. Mm. Mm. At that point, it was just fun. Uh, back then, what was the street show? Was it a combination of juggling and uh, all that stuff and magic? Uh, no juggling. I had sort of given up on juggling at that point. Mm. I, I, I was juggling a lot during my teenage years. Mm. Um, and then I applied to um, the, the Swedish kind of national circus school. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. In 99 or 2000, 99, I think. And... Uh, and I didn't uh, get in, and I gave up on juggling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a hard audition. 200 people at, uh, were at the auditions from like 30 countries, and there were 16 spots. Wow. So that school is kind of famous. It's good. Yeah, it's a great school. It's it, like Le Coq in France or something. Yeah, well, it's it's changed its um, its uh, name now. It used to be called Circus Piloton, and now it's, now, it's the, the suite. now it's part of the, like... Um, National University of Level Studies of Dance and Circus, they call it. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and it's located in Stockholm? It's located or? in Stockholm. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, and it's like a university level thing, mm-hmm. um, which is really good. I th- actually believe it's the best circus school in the world for jugglers. For jugglers specifically. Yeah, yeah right. the best jugglers in the world. They, they come, which is also weird because that also means that in Stockholm, like half of the best jugglers live in Stockholm mm. that are out there. I want to hear the uh, the conversations with those guys' parents when they're like, are you going to go to university? Yep. It's okay. What? I'm going to go to circus school and learn to juggle. <sighs> yeah. So what do you become? To do? <laughs> well, now it's getting so advanced that these guys, that if you're going to go to that school as a juggler, mm. you're going to be one of the best 18, 19 year old jugglers in the world. Oh, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And how good do you have to be? Probably the best. Yeah. Like, but how good do you have to be to get in? Damn good at this point. Right. Um, yeah. A- halfway there already. Almost. Yeah. You are basically there already. Basically, oh, okay. Basically okay. there, I would say, to get into there. Uh, it's the same for some uh, some acting schools, I would say. Like you had to you have to be almost a finished pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, really seasoned. And what you do to, you know... Uh, the reason you go there is to get the diploma and to right. say, say, I've been there. I went there. Yeah. It's probably the same yeah. thing with this. Yeah. I mean, I think you still learn a lot of stuff, but technically the people that, I think 
what they're supposed to learn at least is a lot about the artistic side of it and about express expression and they they learn a lot of dance and choreography and these things mm-hmm. um but uh technically in terms of what they can do as jugglers mm. when they come in they're really really advanced yeah, yeah, yeah. and the acrobats as well are really mm-hmm. they're all like people that have been gymnasts or oh yeah since children yeah yeah, yeah. so what is your education the school of hard knocks and <laughs> colleagues <Yeah>. and <laughs> pretty much yeah. uh, no well i actually i studied a little bit at university random things hmm. um i don't have a degree in anything uh, not even programming uh, computer no, science no I, i studied some math and some computer science hmm. for that but i have no degree at all okay um and then uh, i uh, i did a lot of street shows i guess that that's the best school for what i'm doing now hmm. And then I, I went. I went a year to a theater school in Copenhagen, actually comedy oh, yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a c- kind of in a hiatus. Um, yeah, it's a weird story, actually, because you, yeah, mm-hmm. you know th- some people involved in this. But I, 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 I uh, had a fairly long kind of open on-off relationship here in Malmo mm-hmm. that because um, I was traveling, and uh, that lasted for a couple of years. And and when that ended in 2008, I was completely I got completely heartbroken, mm. uh, and uh, and then I went off on tour in the summer, and I came back, and th- th- it was so unlucky. Like on the day I came back, I was gonna go to uh, uh, have a, a vegetarian burger with my friend Martin at the place that was down here, kind of where you live. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. There was a fancy burger place that had opened right then that he was like oh they're great veggie birds you, you should come yeah so the day i can come back and i'm still heartbroken over this i i get i ride my bike there to see him and as i'm mm. riding my bike i i i ride past uh, uh this girl walking on the pavement uh, and, and and holding the hand of another guy that i was like Oh, mm. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah and, that's not great. And I, yeah, yeah, it was just like, just insane mm-hmm. bad luck. Yep. And uh, and I remember my first reaction was to, I'm I, I'm going to go to Australia tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I went on I went online and I started booking a flight to Australia. <laughs> and then then I thought to myself, okay, so maybe like. If you're maybe like flying to the other side of the world is mm. not the healthiest way to or or is it like deal with this? Well, maybe. I mean, it's radical. And probably so? yeah. something need, radical needs to be done. I mean, uh, breakups can do that. I mean, when I had my worst breakup, I was like, I'm gonna go to. Peru and do, do like organic farming at this place. I never did, unfortunately, because no. <laughs> I, I had just in my, I just came home from Prague, so I already lived abroad recently, mm. and, I, and that was a big step for me because you know, uh, I mean, you don't seem to be tethered by some need to, of you know security blanket of your home or whatever. You, you know, you, you've worked that into your system like okay i'm gonna go to china tomorrow to do a lot of street shows and whatever and you know that would scare the shit out of me and uh, of course you got to do stuff that scares the shit out of you if you also want to do it but there's a few more blocks in the way for me yeah 
Well, I don't find it that scary. I, I, but I, I still thought it was. I don't think it's that healthy to just run away from your problems and your feelings and kind of. No, you don't want to run away from things. You want to run to things. Don't yeah, because uh, for me it was definitely a running away. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Okay, I'm going to the other side of the world. Mm. And then, and then, and then I kind of went. No, okay, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna actually approach this. I'm gonna take some time off, and I'm gonna be stick around. So I th- and then I found this theater school in Copenhagen, and I went there mm. for uh, for a year, kind of as therapy. Mm. Uh, I also felt that I needed. Um, s- I had reached a point when, like, if you if if like your skills or potential as whatever you're doing has two parts. One is a practical part, and one is a theoretical part. Mm. Like you can imagine someone who is. Uh, who's a carpenter, right? Mm. And they they just they just learn by doing everything, yeah. Yeah. and then uh, and they're pretty good at what they're doing. And then you have someone else who studied carpenting in theory, but they they've done very little carpentry. Mm. Mm. Both of those people have kind of imbalances mm. Mm. in in what they're doing. Th- yeah. That's kind of stops them from re- going really far in this area. Mm. Um, and I felt that I was like this. I was like the person that had done a lot of carpentry at that point yeah. with the street shows. I had done so many street shows. Mm. I spent so much time on stage in front of people. Mm. And then I, I thought it would be interesting to inject some theory and some training into it. Mm. Uh, and, and maybe that would help me g- go further. So, yeah. That's, and then did it? It's hard to say. I think it did. Mm. But it's hard to say, actually. Um, it's definitely some things that I've done that I think it really helped with. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the things that I've done that have been more thoroughly, chore- more specifically choreographed and more like uh, specific. But I, I'm still not very good at that, I mm-hmm. think. Okay. Uh, at being very controlled. I'm a very loose performer, I would say. All right. Uh, what I notice when uh, when it comes to street performers in general is that they seem to follow a very specific uh, template of what they do. Uh, so you can see two totally different performers do the exact same show, but where with, the, with their uh, shtick in it. Yep. Uh, they probably know each other because you guys seem to all know each other. We all know each yeah, other. <laughs> around the world. So like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that too. That was a nice thing to make fun of that person in the audience right then. And, you know, and... Uh, then pretend to fail uh, with yep. the you know the the trick, and then no, I didn't fail really. I was just you know all that kind of thing. Uh, but do do you not follow that, and are a bit more of an improvis- improvisational? I th- I definitely follow some sort of structure, I, and I improvise less than most street performers. Mm, yeah, I would okay. say okay, uh, but th- there's definitely a couple of formulas that that exist. But I'm more I'm losing my expression. I'm not okay. so loose in the show. I'm loose in how I, like, I don't have very planned, rehearsed, structured movements. Mm. Um, and I'm quite, I'm quite naturalistic in that way, I guess. Yeah, but then also you do have very specific props, like you now have robots and stuff. So right. since that comes into play, you can't really do... Uh, that much <laughs> improvisation, I, no, I guess, because you have to follow the programming of the robot sometimes. Yeah. And, oh, and that's but, my uh, third education now. In the last bunch of years, I've learned a lot about robotics. Yeah, apparently, because you, yeah. you build your own robots that you have on stage. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, and, and is that also self-taught 
kind of or yeah yeah com very uh, except for the little computer science i studied back mm. in the day yeah so i learned a lot about um robots i've learned most of the stuff from youtube actually oh yeah <laughs> youtube is robotics. a great But source for anything today stanford via youtube i found there's this great uh uh core like stanford course in robotics mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh that that's some filmed and putting it's like 40 hours of lectures <laughs> whoa yeah that's an education <laughs> that are, that it's really good yeah and uh that also of course must help you because you must be the, the performer the magician with the robots now yeah yeah that's i have mm. actually I have a new show now that That is uh, me and like 10, 15 robots. And 15? Something. It depends a oh. little bit on your definition of robot. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, But there's yeah. definitely 10 robots in the show. Mm. Animatronic uh, stuff. Yeah, uh, really uh, advanced mm. stuff. Mm. Uh, I built all of them myself except for two. Mm. So I built the other ones and designed them in, in CAD and 3D printed all the parts. And, and you built your own 3D printer too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. How to? F yeah, I mean, <laughs> why? Why even come up with that? I was like, okay, I can buy a 3D printer. Some of them. No, aren't but my even. first 3D printer, I didn't. I didn't build. I bought it. But then, if you have a 3D printer, you, you're gonna have a like. There's. It's still not a, a. It's still a less perfect science than normal printers. Mm -hmm. And you've, you, you know how much normal printers hassle you. Uh, yeah. Uh, so to no end. Yeah. you're going to have more trouble with 3D printers mm. still. So mm. there's so much fixing and like repairing it to make it work. Right. Okay. So by the yeah. time I bought my uh, my third, <laughs> I have bought it. I've been doing 3D printing for a long time. So by the time I bought my third 3D printer, I had done so much repairing mm. that I, I basically could take a 3D printer apart and put it together again right. with no yeah, problem. Yeah. Okay. And I understood all the workings of it. And then it's cheaper to buy just the parts and build one. Mm -hmm. And also, if you do that, then you know very what, much yeah. what went how, wrong how it's, it's built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you're, you can repair it really well and mm -hmm. fast mm -hmm. and, and change out anything if it breaks or... Mm -hmm. And is your own, like, uh, compared to the other ones, super advanced and use uh, some materials that the others couldn't use to, um, to make stuff? And... I would just say it's much more reliable than your one. Okay, yeah. It's really, really reliable. Mm. Uh, and, and, I mean, very exact. It does really nice prints. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, really sweet prints. All right. Not I'm a lot thinking too. of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm getting all like, mm, oh, yeah. Mm, printed parts. Mm. <laughs> I don't even have to sand them. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but I can. I follow some uh, YouTube channels as well that where they, makers that use 3D printers and stuff. And I, I notice because they talk about the, all the problems, like... Sometimes it takes 20 hours to do a print and it fails after hour 18. Oh, and it's like, what the fuck? You, know? you have this yeah. almost finished part. Mm. It's just like, ah. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of troubles to it. Mm. But the, yeah, definitely new 3D printers are are, are better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the stuff that's happened on it, on that sort of... Um, in that world that are really good mm, yeah yeah there are some printers that do uh, what is it they have instead of having some material that they 
melt and print out. They have material that is in powder form, and then lasers yeah. m- melt them in- that into shape. And that seems to be very exact. SLS, and, uh, that's very very exact. But yeah. those printers are still industrial in yeah. mm. in scope. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they're they would be very expensive. And but yeah, really, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And they can also those can also do, there's some of those that can do it with metal. Shit. Like okay. the laser yeah. actually, me- you put out a metal powder and the laser mm. melts it. So you can, they can do stuff out of titanium and steel. Mm. And mm-hmm. wow, yeah. yeah, the possibilities are almost endless today. Yeah, there's a lot mm. of airplane parts that are made from. Oh, really? That are three D uh, printed uh, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, because you can make three D prints that would be impossible to make with any form of manufacturing, with mm. any other form of manufacturing. Mm. Mm. Um, so you, they, you, they, they can, they can three D print. Aluminum parts that are lighter mm-hmm. than than other aluminum parts that you would make with traditional manufacturing methods. Okay, okay, the density is different. Yeah, so they, okay. and so they, mm-hmm. they can like they can take out. Well, they can you can basically decide to to print a bubble of air inside a part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For instance, sure. Yeah. So maybe they decide that in this part of the of the of this part, uh. Th- the, the, it doesn't. It only needs this strength, mm-hmm. and now there's. It has much more. Mm. So there's actually more material there than is needed, and mm. then you can just kind of decide design out some material from the inside it's of it. Superfluous material. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Really cool. But how did this come about? Was it like okay, I'm interested in computer sciences and I know some programming and so I want to do something with this or was it the other way around? Like, I want to do something with robots. Let's learn how to do that. It's kind of, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of both, but mainly I, I started, I, I came up with an act uh, like 10 years ago that uh, w- with a bunch of lamps, like old 50s floor lamps. Oh, like this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this kind of thing. Um, and... Um, and I, I, I had to so to do that. I had to learn electronics mm. to, to for that act. It, it was all in my head, and I was like, okay, I need to make the create, may build this act now, so I can play it because it's gonna be great. Mm. And then I had to learn electronic, like some very basic stuff. Okay. Um. So I went on the internet, like, what is volts? What is amper? Like, really, yeah, yeah. kind of the yeah. base, extreme basics of mm, it. Mm. And then, uh, and then I also got some help, and I built the first version of the act, and then. Later on, I built a second version that was more useful. Uh, and then I learned a little bit more of electronics. Mm. And then I fell into the world of Arduino, which is kind of these mm-hmm. kind of open source, really like a whole rainforest of of microchips that you can program and, mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. yourself to do stuff. And then I learned some of that. And then it's really just... Then it was an interest that just built and built, mm, 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 and, mm. and I got quite obsessed by it for a while. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, it, it, there's like an uh, an interest within itself uh, yeah. to do that because um, I'm more when it comes to technical stuff. I'm more uh, it comes from the creative side. I think like okay, I want to do this. So how do I do it? And then I learn mm-hmm. how to film or edit or whatever you know uh even program some website if, if i need something you know yeah uh, so it's always been what do i want to do what i need to do creatively and then i learn to do it the technical side of it right. with robots i'm definitely also at a point where it gets driven from the other side mm. so, sometimes mm. sometimes i just try to make something to see if it works 
<laughs> to see if I can. And then yeah. afterwards I have to figure out like, what is this going to be for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I How can no I idea. use this? Yeah. And sometimes I do, there is nothing that it is for. And then, mm. then it's just some cool thing that's there. And yeah. Mm. And it has also been like this thing in your show. It's been ramping up a lot lately, I guess. Because yeah, I, yeah. I went to see uh, your show, Minor Miracles, and I think you had like one robot in that one. Yeah, yeah. there's one robot in it. Yeah, and uh, and also the lamp routine is at the end of it. Actually, oh, that's true. There that is the, that is the routine yeah. that I came up with, and I wanted. Uh, that was the first thing I built. That is true. It's not robotic, right. but it's it's quite high tech at this point, actually. Mm, it is programmed. Yeah, it's mm. it's it's quite high tech at this point. That mm-hmm. act. The first version was not at all, but now it's okay. really. But it required like a, an, a backstage assistant and mm-hmm, like these mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Now it's just really circuit boards are involved. Yeah, yes, <laughs> right. more than one. No, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you're by this stage, you're the kind of guy who can look, look at a circuit board and be like, "Oh, I get it." Ish. Ish. Yeah. I made my own circuit boards now. I make mm. like I design some for projects. Mm. I have a little little. CNC machine that can just cut the circuit board and cut oh, away yeah. the copper in the right place. Oh right, right. That's oh okay. That sounds so practical because soldering is the worst. Yeah, yeah. I fucking hate soldering. Well, you still have to solder stuff on, yeah. but you don't have to put like your own little cables everywhere and stuff. Yeah. You just use the tracks that. No, but the resistors and stuff need to go on there still. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, I, the only thing I need to do sometimes is to like repair the, the electronics of an electric guitar and stuff, and, and I hate even that. Yeah. So the soldering is just the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So I I don't want to I I don't think I'm going to go into the, no. <laughs> the world no, of electronics in that way. No. It's a weird special interest that I got and it's turned out to be fun. Yeah. Sure. And uh, it, it makes you be that guy. So Yeah, and also yeah, it's niche. definitely given me like I think I believe right now I have the only robot magic show in the world. Mm, where mm. there might be right. someone else who has a robot in a magic show mm-hmm. but i would say though actually i know one guy in germany who does an act with a robot yeah. uh but but I, th- I reckon those guys can be counted on one hand and mm, i'm mm. definitely the only person with like a full one hour show that's completely about mm. it's about like robotics and the future and mm. like and about artificial intelligence and these things and i'm i'm doing a big tour in australia in in uh, February, March. All right. Okay. Like 40 shows, more than 40 shows. How do you travel with that? If you have all those, th- that menagerie of Very robots. careful packing. Yeah. And lots of cheating on the airline. Oh, okay. <laughs> with the overweight charges and stuff. Overweight charges, yeah, okay. And, uh... Let's just like say that. I use magic to lower the weight of my bags. Ooh. <laughs> Real magic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Oh. You take a a fairly skilled magician and uh, and make a major problem of his life. All the overweight charges <laughs> he has to pay for. There's gonna be a point when hmm. there's solutions that come up. Yeah, yeah. Do you have like hidden compartments in your bags well, and stuff? <laughs> well, there is. Yeah, there's things. There's, there's there are things happening. Yeah, I I can't afford to to uh, to talk about them too much. No, but of it's course. funny with the magic yeah. world. I know two two great magicians, mm. more than two actually, that used to travel with their animals no matter where they went in the world. Like they just mm-hmm. brought brought their dog, mm-hmm. um, and um, and ne- never like no one ever knew. The airline didn't know. The sec- airport security people didn't know. They thought it was too much of a hassle to deal with like all the 
So they just kind of they just brought them using magic methods. <laughs> right. Uh, they the, stopped after nine eleven. Okay. Yeah, because then everything was ramped up. In yeah, terms but of basically, and, uh, it's ridiculous that someone can just bring a fairly large dog through an airport, through airport security, yeah. through an airplane, through customs on the other side, and no one ever knew there was a dog. Yeah, the dog must really like, be well trained and in on yeah. <laughs> because yeah. otherwise that wouldn't be happening. Huh, interesting. But uh, I mean, air, airline travel must be murder for you in any case. Uh, I mean, j- just to go through customs and be, oh shit, I got all these cha- this change on me, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> throwing shit out on the in the trays. Oh man, and, um, when you have to go through with a big bag of coins. <laughs> yeah, and on all your like hidden pockets and stuff, you must have and like oh shit, yeah, I, I got that stuff in my. In pocket C thirteen, <laughs> it is annoying, and I, it's happened that I like. It's happened that I'm in a country. I remember it happened a couple of years ago in Canada that I I had this big bag of coins. Hmm. Like imagine a big bag with with like uh, lots of coins. We and all seen cartoons, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm, the flight back is booked on like a Monday morning. Hmm. I've done some big festival. That ended on Sunday night, mm-hmm. and now I have all these coins, and there's no way to change them because mm-hmm. it's Monday morning. Mm-hmm. I'm at the airport, and I have a bag that weighs like ten kilos. Or, oh, for fuck's sake! Okay, uh, yeah. of all these coins, mm-hmm. and it's like, and I also know I'm not going to come back to Canada for two or three mm-hmm. years, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm there, and I go to the forex there or whatever, try to change mm-hmm. change the money for. And then there's a point when they go, no, no, we can't take any more coins. No, yeah, that's the problem. And so I'm there with this bag. I still have like $600 of coins. Mm. "Ah," And I Mm. started looking, okay, I'm at the airport. Mm. I have got 40 minutes. I've got to buy stuff at the airport for 600 bucks. (laughs) Well, that's easy, but with coins, I don't know. (laughs) No, well, I think the shops, the shops... Didn't say no to the coins. They didn't. Oh, no, right. they were okay with taking. So them. you could buy like a three-piece suit, uh, whatever. Yeah, I the, just yeah. walked around like a shirt. I guess I need some perfume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, two or three bottles of whiskey. That's <laughs> kind of. All right. Uh, yeah. It's a mm-hmm. it's a weird situation to be in. Like I have me here now, and I have to spend this. Yeah. It's, it's like some prize that you win, where a shop you, you win a prize that. You've got to spend $600 in our shop today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What? Okay. Um, And maybe at the same time, you need to pay your rent at home. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, my landlord takes whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) He might, actually. (laughs) You told me once that you bought a whole car with just coins, didn't you? Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I did. I did. (laughs) It's the only car I ever had. Okay. I, I paid for it with coins entirely. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was not a very expensive. It was fourteen hundred dollars. But still, that's a lot of coins in Australia. But yeah, it was. Um, and they have. I mean, the, I guess the the largest denomination of coin is one dollar in uh, Australia. No, the two dollars. They have two dollar. Okay. Yeah, so, and mm-hmm. I, I I believe I paid for it all with two dollar coins. So mm-hmm. the guy got seven hundred two dollar coins. <laughs> yeah, I guess he can use them. <laughs> he wasn't happy about it. He, okay, so he didn't really know. Okay. No, he wasn't happy about it. But I was like, you want to sell this car or not? Like, mm, yeah, that's, yeah. This is what I have. Do you accept cash? Sure, mate. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. And like I said, a lot of um, awards and stuff. And uh, 
even to, like talent shows. You won Sweden's Got Talent in two thousand and nine, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> well, come to be to it. Uh, oh, it's a weird. I was uh, I was hanging out a lot with a guy called Johan Welton, mm. who at the time was he's an amazing juggler. At the time, he was like the other yeah, Swedish the street performer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like on the um, sort of English speaking street performing circuit, it was me and him that was mm-hmm. that was there. Mm. Actually, that's not completely true. There was also a girl called Tina who lives in in Ireland in in Belfast, who worked with uh, with Ken, but uh, she lived in Ireland mm-hmm. and and wasn't that much on the street circuit. So I didn't meet her very much. But yeah, it was basically it was me and and um, and uh, Johan to some extent. You know, and so I was spending a lot of time with Johan, and Johan was he went into Sweden's Got Talent in two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finished second to Sara oh. Larsson, oh. who is a singer yeah. who's really famous now and at mm. that time was 12. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, and I was kind of around for, for his journey in there uh, and helped him a little bit with scripting. I was like a, a guy he could bounce some ideas off and stuff. Mm. And I was there at the finals. And I also saw the general rehearsal of the finals of Sweden's Got Talent. Mm-hmm. And I watched all the acts and then I was like, yeah, I know that either Johan or Sarah is going to win, mm. and I and I so I actually went onto a gambling site and put money on it. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I I won some money on 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 that, and then I I I felt that I kind of understand the format. Mm. I thought to myself, and then I also felt like that they treated people well, which in some countries they don't with that kind of show. No, no, but in no, no. in Sweden. I mean, Johan was treated really de- decently. Like, it wasn't bad. Even from the beginning? Because it seems like if you're, you're starting out in the show, they're going to humiliate you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think so. You know? Well, they're not going to humiliate you. I think the risk is if you don't understand the format. The risk is if oh, you go yeah. in and and you you haven't at all adapted to the venue. Like, if you don't mm. understand mm. what they're doing. Mm. Uh, but I felt that I did. So I was like, okay, if I'm here the next next year, I'm going to do it. Mm. I'm gonna go into it, Mm-mm-mm. and and then I I um, entered into it, and um, uh, yeah, I kind of won by chance. That was not part of the plan, really. Mm. Uh, I didn't I didn't think I had any chance to win. No, I thought I would. Like my plan was okay. I'm I'm gonna try to get to the finals, and then at that point I was a completely a traveling street performer. Yeah, I didn't yeah, live yeah. anywhere. Yeah. I was, um, so so then uh, if I get to the finals, I'll get some good TV footage. And also, um, I'll get some some gigs in Sweden because mm. I was almost never in Sweden. And mm. then um, other people will pay for my flights home to visit my family. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Very clever. Yeah, mm. that was like the idea. And mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I, I I won it by by chance really. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and yeah, and then I'm that now now I'm here. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, that was made me stuck in Sweden again. Okay, yeah, because of course that makes you be a bit more famous, uh, especially locally. Yeah, I got a bunch of opportunities, and then I, I worked almost exclusively in Sweden for mm. for two or three years. Oh, yeah, and, almost because I I remember just uh, after that happened, I guess uh, that you had been to China, and uh, oh, yeah. all of a sudden it was on the on, on in, in the papers that you had been arrested in China. Yeah, and, that was... <laughs> and it wasn't the first time that had happened, but all of a sudden it was national news because you had been on this show. So yeah, 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 yeah it was. I got 
what not ex- the, the headline i remember was charlie caper arrested in china yeah or winner mm-hmm. of sweden's got talent yeah, exactly. arrested in china yeah, was yeah. The, mm-hmm. the headline but i wasn't exactly arrested but i was definitely like detained detained uh-huh. by some police officers for for doing street shows yeah. for gathering a crowd it turns out mm-hmm. in beijing mm-hmm. you, it's illegal to gather more like, than like 10 or 20 people in a group and I think it is because they're afraid of that it's going to turn into a protest yeah, of some protest, sort. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and and yet they actually do stop things like that. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, and it has happened more than once to, uh, to No, do. it only happened that once. Oh really? In China. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I thought it. I thought yeah. it was uh, not I mean, the I, first I, time. I've but... run into problems with the police all over the world. Sure. Many, many times. But yeah. that, that's that's the time it happened to me in in China. And uh, and I also. I, I, but I've heard from people that it's mainly in Beijing. I know street farmers huh. that have worked in mm. other places, mm-hmm. and there where it's fine okay. in China. But uh, I think it's it's mainly the capital they're worried. But mm. I don't know for mm. sure. I don't. I don't know very much about it. But what is the trouble with the law in general uh, what happens uh, around the world uh generally if you're doing street shows you are very protected by the law mm. because basically you're what you're doing is an expression of, of speech like it's uh so as long as you're not blocking traffic or being really loud and annoying you're you're protected by the law okay so uh, it's not like some countries you need a permit and de- definitely in some countries you need okay. a permit anyway yeah, yeah. but yeah generally you're protected by the law mm. and then uh but uh, there's a lot of police officers then that, that that don't know this uh, oh. or that don't care mm. and there's also a lot of countries where the actual where the, like the word of an individual police officer is actually yeah. what goes over what's in the law yeah. maybe not technically mm. but the police officer says so and if you don't agree you're in trouble yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's like um and then there's a bunch of places that have put in permit schemes and stuff mm-hmm. i've had permits in in so many countries to do street shows yeah yeah, yeah. um i'm gonna go and i'm going to both perth and adelaide in, in australia now yeah. in the in the spring and and in in both of those places, I'm probably going to do some street shows to advertise my my robot show, which oh, is yeah. indoors. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in in both of those places, I need to go get a permit. Mm-hmm. And I think it generally it costs some nominal amount. I'll go there, I'll pay them twenty bucks, I get my permit, mm-hmm. and then, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And how long do you? Is that for just that show or a couple of weeks? Or Normally, it, it would be for like a couple of weeks, or mm, okay. sometimes it's for a year. Did you ever run into any illegal or, or the trouble with the law, let's say, even if it's not illegal uh, in uh, Czech Republic? Because I, I live there and it seems like sometimes the cops are kind of on the verge because they always come to parties and be like, uh, yeah. you need to be quiet. Uh, if we have to come back, it's uh, two and a half thousand uh, Czech uh, coronas and th- you pay them in cash and, right. you know, and... Though that money goes to that guy, probably, of course, you know. Yeah. And it, it, it's somebody. I mean, it happened. I was, uh, I was stopped in the tram for not having a ticket once, and uh, those guys were like, "Yep, that's eight hundred, and uh, I don't have it on me." Well, I'm going to follow you to uh, the ATM then. Okay, then you have to go to the ATM with the, this guy and give him the money, and they just turn around and go, "Should we go take a, you know, grab a cup of coffee?" What the fuck? I just gave you that money. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like kind of a you. lot of in large parts of the world, actually. Yeah, okay. Not very it's, good for society, I think. No, it's, it's horrible. It's, yeah. it's negative for society, but yeah, it is like that in many, many places. Mm. Um, 
I, I haven't worked that much in Prague. I haven't performed much in, in, in Czech Republic. Uh, I've just done a couple of shows there. Uh, but the person who I would currently describe as the other Swedish street performer, mm-hmm. uh, he's quite based in, in Prague. Well, it's a really touristy town and uh, mm. beautiful. And uh, I think he's yeah. currently actually traveling in New Zealand, but, oh, but all right, Prague yeah. is one of the places that he likes. What I saw most in Prague was actually living statues. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, they amass <laughs> in, in Prague. I don't know why. Yeah, they, they amass wherever they, they can. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I would say. Um, but you could easily see like three or four of them in a row <laughs> and not a single juggler, not a single magician. Yeah. Uh, it's, kind of, it's a different kind of thing. But I've seen a couple of really good ones in my years. Mm, mm, mm. I wonder what happened. Like they used to have them, in, there used to be like 20 of 30 of them in Barcelona on Las Ramblas. Mm. And then they all vanished in one fell swoop. Mm. And I wonder where those people went. Like, they must have just spread out across Europe. Mm-mm-mm. I remember one guy I uh, I liked who uh, he was like a meditating uh, monk kind of mm-hmm. figure. So he was sitting in a lotus position, holding a staff, but he was floating. So he was like yep. a good meter above the ground because he was sitting on something that was attached to his went up through his arm to right. the the staff he was holding and then went down the staff to some uh sack or something where that was the base you know it was, when you looked at it like oh that's how he's doing it but it, the the illusion worked pretty well it's turned into some sort of a a thing now those kind of things i one of my favorites is a guy who lives in edinburgh is a really nice guy he uh, um he doesn't blink oh, wow. that's his thing like he genuinely meditates and he can just stand there and not blink for like an hour. And not a single tear? Painted. Bl- no, shows it's up. like completely. It's really like captivating. Yeah. He must, must be one of those people who can sleep with their eye open, eyes open, probably. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but he's, yeah, he can, he can basically, like, he's one of the like best at that that exists at not blinking. Mm mm mm. Well, yeah, now you went there. You mentioned Edinburgh. So I guess you do a lot of uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Yeah, I love, I love the Fringe Festival. Go there every year? Basically. Mm. Tell me about that whole deal. Because I've never been. I just heard a, a lot about it. So I, it I've a, done Stockholm Fringe, but... <laughs> it, it's a crazy thing. Like, it's... The Edinburgh Fringe is the um, biggest arts festival in the world, a performing arts festival, yeah. at least. Um, and it, it started back in, like... 47 or 52 wow, like yeah. it's it's all oh, it's yeah. all the way back then. a long time ago mm. um and it was kind of a protest against a big theater festival that existed mm-hmm. uh where all the local theater companies they never got to perform at the big edinburgh no, 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 no. festival right. yeah mm. and and so they kind of started their own festival on the side of the big festival mm-hmm. uh and then that took off and slowly became... Now it's much bigger than the big festival. The big festival mm. still exists, but <laughs> the French is much bigger. Yeah, So, and, which is the big festival. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's really... but And there's so many... Sh- there's like thousands of shows that go there. It lasts for a month. Um, oh, yeah, there's, there's a whole millions month. of people that visit Edinburgh mm. to see these shows. It's in uh, like August or July? What it's all of August, All of August, yeah. Mm. Normally it's from like 2nd till 27th, mm-hmm. like or... 5th to 29th mm. so like these kind of yeah uh, and it's so it's amazing you there's incredible shows uh 
so many people that want to see shows. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. And also, since there are so many shows, people just try things out for like 10 minutes and, yeah. and leave. And, and so, shows are uh, normally a little bit shorter. They're generally like 50 minutes long, kind of. Five mm, zero, mm, mm, yeah. um, almost an, like shorter than an hour. Mm. So people can you can go and see two or three shows a day if you want to. Mm, mm. In fact, if you go for like a weekend or something, I reckon that's what I would do. I would just go and watch mm. shows back to back almost. Yeah, and maybe maybe go with the flow. Maybe not plan that much because I, from what I understand, it's really cutthroat when it comes to getting your your audience and it can be it and, can be hard uh, to get the audience uh, and, uh, yeah. there's this whole flyer situation like you can't walk more than a couple of meters and another flyer will be in your hand it's crazy do you yeah. do that as well do you have you ever had yeah but because of my street performing background yeah i have i have a little bit more sophisticated ways of getting people's attention in the street and yeah you just start performing and these things yeah i do street shows but I also I, I can approach people in the street and in a natural way and mm. make it. And now I fly with my robots. Mm, yeah, yeah. So now you... the robot show, I they get given the flyer by a robot arm. Yeah, and like, right. Uh, That's nice. So the last time you did it, you actually had a venue and did the robot show. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, and the second, there's a lot of copies of the French. Um, it's like a hundred copies of Edinburgh French, and the yeah, the biggest yeah. one is Adelaide French. Uh, yeah, which okay. I'm going to now in, in in March. Yeah, no, yeah, I performed at uh, Stockholm French, uh, but uh, I don't think it exists anymore. That was back in 2016, right? And uh, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't go that well. So I, I think it no, went away. No, I, I don't know if I haven't heard like, yeah, I, I, it's, I don't think it's like Edinburgh French. That, no, no, not because what, what I really like about the Edinburgh French mm. is the freedom of it. It's like a weird chaos. Uh, so basically mm. what they do is they say, okay, we're going to do the French. So if you want to do a show, you find a venue. You could So if, if this was Edinburgh, you could register your apartment as a venue. Mm-hmm. And then you could say, I'm going to do shows in this apartment mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. 20 people at 6 o'clock every day. Mm. And then you just register that with the Edinburgh French. You mm. just register your show. You pay a, a small fee registration fee and then they sell all your tickets you just tell them that my tickets cost 15 pounds each or my tickets cost eight pounds each Mm. and then they um then they sell the tickets for you uh, and you uh, you get that money apart from from like a small ticket fee per ticket Mm. and then and then you and they add like you're on their website you're in the they put you in the program Mm. you're on the website and um, yeah, and then you you just do it. Mm. There's nothing to hold you back. And this is so nice that it's complete. It's not curated. It's not some person oh. sitting at the top going, "Oh, we're gonna have uh, these five shows." Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. So the festival program is it's going to be as thick at it as it needs to be to oh, fill yeah, all yeah. the yeah, applicants. It just, it just grows. Yeah. <laughs> the program is crazy thick. Mm. Actually, M- mine and Marlin's first show in Edinburgh that mm. we did in, in the program mm. um, was the first show in the program. Oh, okay. It was out of out of the 4,000 shows or whatever they had, we were the, when you opened the program, we were the fir- top first show. Because we called the show Abeduation, oh, which is an actual it's... word, which is, it's, it's spelled like it sounds like, except for at the beginning, it has three A's. 
Oh, that's so clever. And it's alphabetical and yeah. Yeah. So so we were called aviation and, and the, it has three A's. In the Why is it, of, does it have three uh, A's? Well, the word means, like, the meaning of the word word is uh, to 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 name your company a word with lots of A's at the beginning so that you end up first in the phone book. <sighs> okay. That is the meaning of the word. <laughs> and... Uh, Okay, so it's a joke within itself. Yeah. All right. And it b- ends up uh, before aardvark in the dictionary. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Probably the only word in the world with three A's in it the beginning. Is. I, I believe it is. Yeah, okay. And I looked. <laughs> yeah, you must have <laughs> to come up with this. But ah, well, did the idea come first or did you see the word first? And like, okay, I know. I don't remember. It was kind of a mix. Okay. We didn't have a good name. mm and then, we, yeah, we just thought, well, what would be a good name for the program? So you can make a, a lot of money at the Edinburgh French Festival, I guess. And uh, I wouldn't say that. No, okay. <laughs> like, I, I would say most shows that go there actually lose money. Oh, shit. Okay. Because um, they're too ambitious. And, and maybe there's a couple of shows that make money. Mm. There's definitely a couple of big comedians yeah. that come there. Like, that's all... You know, all, all the big comedians come to Edinburgh and do shows. Or come out of there. because it's, I, And many come out yeah, of there, yeah. yeah. Eddie Izzard, he started out in Edinburgh. That oh, was yeah. how, when, where he broke. Mm. When he was a street performer, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was a street so. performer. Covent Garden. Yeah. He um, used to do a... Um, a get, he used to get out of a straitjacket on a high unicycle. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen <laughs> it in the in the documentary, yeah. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Actually, the guy who... Who gave me the cups that I use in in the for the finale of my my street show? Uh-huh. It's a guy called, man called Captain Kino. He's a street performer, brilliant street performer in Covent Garden. Um, he was, he's also the guy who who told Eddie Izzard you should do a straitjacket escape on a high mm. unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> he's in that documentary. Oh, okay, okay. They interview, do a short interview with him. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, and then I've seen him. Yeah. All right. Uh, but it seems like uh, Fringe Festival is so big now that actually like talent agents and stuff come to shows to the, look yeah. for the next big thing. The, definitely. The, yeah. uh, the, the, it, it is a place where where shows and and artists can break. Like you you can mm-hmm. kind of reach somewhere. I guess that's one reason people do it. I do it because it's so fun. Yeah, like, yeah. It's great. It's mm-hmm. such. A, mm-hmm. It's a lovely place to be in August, and um, uh, and I I I I at least break even okay. with my shows at okay. the French festivals. Mm. Uh, I make a, a, maybe a little bit, but it's not um, it's not super profitable for anyone. But mm-hmm. I mean, me and Marlin, uh, we did. Um, uh, and Marlin is a friend that I do shows with. By the way, I mm-hmm. can mention mm-hmm. for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we did a, a UK tour, a little UK tour of Minor Miracles in um, a, like a couple of months ago. And that was because someone saw us in Edinburgh and mm-hmm. they booked, uh, booked us for a tour in the UK. Mm. All right. Um, so that, that came directly out of that. Mm-hmm. But is your show expensive to do now when you have to travel with all the robots and uh, all that stuff? Um, the travel, it's, it's fine because. I built this really complex system, so I really don't need any technicians. I can control everything oh. myself. Okay, that's good. Um, but, uh, yeah, the travel, it's two and a half big suitcases. Mm-hmm. Um, but apart from that, it's not that expensive. I mean, the, the robots are really expensive, mm. but I already bought them. Yeah. I already bought all the parts and stuff. Mm. 
So it's not that expensive, I'd say. Um, <laughs> of course, it's like like we said before, there are some parallels to stand-up comedy and stuff, and I've had two uh, stand-up comedians. Have you ever done stand-up? Uh, me? Yeah. No, not really. Uh, when I had stand-up comedians on the show, I was uh, mentioning like the closest thing I got to it. And, okay. And it was, uh, we had this uh, tall tales uh, in the park kind of situation here in town. I remember that. Yeah. I used to go to that as well. Yeah, we were standing under a tree in a park and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. went up to tell stories. And the good thing about it is that you could be funny and kind of do a stand-up-y kind of thing as long as you framed it as a story. But it wasn't supposed to be funny necessarily, so it was such a freedom. Like, if you got laughs, you're like, hey, yeah, I'm funny, that's good. But they were, they didn't expect you to be funny. So I, I think I would be too pressured to go up and be like, no, I'm going to entertain you uh, in stand-up comedy for five minutes and uh, I'm going to kill. I, that pressure, I never really... Uh, right. I mean, I think I would like to try it and uh, it would be great to be a stand-up comedian, but... Um, because I'm a bit of a comedy nerd, so I'm really interested in it. But uh, no, I've never tried hardcore stand-up comedy. I haven't, really. Um, but when I'm talking to stand-up comedians, it's fun to hear all the times that they bombed and the worst gigs and whatever. So what what can happen when you do magic shows and uh, street performing and stuff like that? What, what are your like catastrophe gigs? What has oh, God. happened? Everything can happen. Yeah. But actually, I'm just speaking of comedy and, and stuff. I would say, to me, comedy is so nerve-wracking. It would be if I was doing it, because it's so uneven. Mm. I think even really great comedians sometimes bomb. Yeah. And just yep. g- g- like and, and people just hate it. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen to my show. The, no. the, like, I, I will always do at least a good show. Like, yeah. it'll always be at least decent. Like... Yeah, and then, then I will walk off disappointed, but at least no one, no one is like boo. <laughs> no, right, but because that's you disappointed in yourself, probably that yeah. something didn't go yeah. the way you wanted to. Yeah. Exactly, but, but but there's something about humor that where it can just kind of fail, mm. especially like yeah. But you have humor in your shows, so you kind of yeah. But it's not at that level at all. I think it's a different thing. But yeah, but with street street shows, things can really like. Things, I mean, unpredictable things happen. Yeah, like yeah. completely unpredictable things happen. Mm. I once had a, uh, I, I've had a, a man in a in a gorilla outfit run onto the stage, okay, just going and like banging his chest <laughs> and like and refusing to go off the stage and refusing to speak any form of human language. Oh, he was a gorilla. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how I once had I once had fifty Hell's Angels drive through my show on motorbikes very oh. slowly. Okay. Uh, some sort of procession that just went through my show. Um <laughs> it took like it took like ten minutes. Like it took a long time. Right. Okay. Uh, uh like all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff can can go wrong. Uh, uh, my worst horror story is from uh, Go on. <laughs> uh, not not of a show, but like I did this festival once in Canada. Uh, it was like ten years ago, and it was me and two other performers, Evan Young, who's from the states, mm-hmm. and my, uh, and my my dear friend Victor Rubilar, mm-hmm. who used to live in Sweden, but he's from Argentina. Mm. So there was three of us at this festival, and. Uh, we were supposed to be there for six days, and 
like already day one, the shows are, are really bad. And we, we didn't really get paid anything. Like uh-huh. our wage was what people put in our hats. Uh, yeah. So we did day one, the, we, it's it's really bad. It's not very good. But then it's mm. like, well, it's only Tuesday, you know. As we get, cl- mm-hmm. it was also Canada's National Day was coming up, like Canada Day. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, as, as the things ramp up, it's going to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. But this is a little terrible town, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, we what what we started to realize is that the every show we did three shows a day each and every show mm. had the same audience it's the same people that just sat there huh. okay uh, and and they stopped paying after the after the first show yeah they paid already yeah <laughs> and uh, and uh, but at that point we had 17 shows left <laughs> mm. and then and they stopped laughing at any jokes after the second show you know of course. so it's like yeah, yeah. so it was really painful Ugh. it was really horrible <sighs> And it was at these little weird fairgrounds. And then there was a guy who was dressed up as Elvis, who was lip syncing to Elvis songs, mm-hmm. who he was, was at the other side of the fairground. But he could see that, well, there was more people where we were. So he mm-hmm. moved over to us. So we had this loud <laughs> Elvis music and this guy lip syncing uh, like really loudly. Uh, for all our shows as well, then the shows were already terrible, and it was just painful. And I remember Evan just going ballistic on the on the organizer of it about the yeah, Elvis yeah. guy, like you've got to move the Elvis. He's not supposed. To, he's supposed to be over there, like on yeah, the other yeah, side. Yeah. You've got to move him. Like he's not. He's not supposed to be. He's ruining our shows. Mm. And the producer was like, "Well." You know, he has to make a living too, and and Evan is like, yeah, but we also have to make a living. He's uh, yeah. destroying our shows with loud Elvis music. Right. And and the, the, <laughs> the producer went, "Come on, give him a break. He's the king." <laughs> <laughs> and 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 Evan went, <sighs> "You do realize he's not the real Elvis, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and then. It just went worse, and I remember on like the one second to last day or something, Evan was so pissed off that I mean we we all were, but to, towards the end of his show, like at the point that we straight from is called the bottling speech, which is when you ask from for money from the audience. Oh, yeah. uh, Evan, as his speech, he he just went, "Ladies and gentlemen, we have now reached the point when I normally ask for money today." I will not not ask you for any money for two reasons. Number one, I know you're not going to give me any. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And number two, instead of money, I want you to kill Elvis. That (laughs) talentless piece of crap has been turning up his volume every show I've started for the last three days. I hate him and I want him to die. (laughs) And now for the finale of the show, I will stand on this thing and juggle the... (laughs) Like crying kids in the audience or something. (laughs) It was ridiculous. Oh, shit. Yeah. And and then on on that night, like on one of those last nights as well, we were in in, in like this motel that we were staying in, Hmm. in, in Victor's hotel room on the bottom floor with like a car park outside. You can imagine the place. Mm -hmm. And there were some guys that arrived in our room. It's like two o'clock at night. We were there drinking our our troubles away. Mm. Like, and and these guys arrived and they were like, oh, "Can we have a drink?" And they had some drinks. And then they were they were really loud and annoying. And one of them made some 
some really homophobic remark. Oh, and Victor, mm -hmm. he has this kind of joke in his show towards the end of it. He's, he's, um, he does this really macho character. And then towards the end of the show, he, there's, he's, there's this girl on the stage sitting in a chair and he does this striptease for her. Mm -hmm. And he, he's this really macho Latin American. And he takes off his shirt And he's got bikini tan lines. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently he doesn't know, but he's, yeah. Okay. And it's yeah, this yeah, kind yeah. of, and the whole thing just falls apart. Like, it's really mm -hmm, funny. Yeah. So, so, so one of these guys makes some really homophobic remark. And mm -hmm. Victor takes his shirt off and goes, you know what? I take offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh. And and it just turns into we have to go like look uh, you're gonna have to leave like you're you guys are being really loud there's people staying here like mm -hmm. I'm sorry you have to go. Mm -hmm. so they get out of the room and then like five seconds later this big rock comes flying in through the window oh like Phew! so now we're chasing these <laughs> these locals through the streets uh, and we end up in a big like it gets into this big kerfuffle and. Uh, Uh, so I'm outside in the street, like, you know, holding some guy down <laughs> onto the <laughs> ground. And, and, uh, some people have, the, 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 two of them have given up and are just sitting on the curb. Okay. Like, uh, and, uh, and Victor boys. walks into a, to a night open Tim Hortons, which is a mm. Canadian cafe. Yeah, yeah. Still without his shirt on and tan lines. <laughs> <laughs> and walks in like, uh, Call the police. Call the fucking police. Mm. And, uh, and the police arrives. Like, and Victor is really drunk with it. They broke my window. And the police mm -hmm. just look at his chest like, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, You're focusing on the wrong thing. <laughs> and uh, in the end, they get arrested. And yeah, we get some note. We, we demand a note from the police that says that they arrested some people that broke the window. It wasn't us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's Elvis getting into a fight with locals. Uh, a whole Canadian just having thing. Having to do 18 shows for no money for the same audience. Uh, mm. that, that, that I think that goes down into the... Into the legends of a pretty terrible gig. Yeah, right. But this was this was a pretty small town. Yeah, it was a pretty small town. So there is probably <laughs> there is a size of a of a town that is too small for, to do this kind of thing. Probably. Well, I've done plenty of really nice street shows in in towns that are small. Okay, almost villages even. Yeah, so it was not that. I mean, I've had the problem in a, in some places of that are small. If you're doing a lot of shows where. You know, you get into a point where a lot of people have seen the show before. Yeah. But, yeah, this 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 place was special. <laughs> special. <laughs> this is like uh, almost like poking somebody with a stick. Oh, tell that one, tell that one. But uh, wasn't there a really interesting story about you losing a phone that was uh, stolen and you got it back in uh, quite a spectacular manner? Oh, yeah. That's another crazy story. It's going to sound like I'm just involved in this weird situations yeah we had a break-in at, at a theater in stockholm that i performed at yeah, right. where they stole a couple of bags with computers and they stole my phone and stuff mm. I, I, after a show like at a, on, a, on the evening of a friday night show they they went in during the show and stole a bunch of stuff mm. and uh, but my phone was in my bag and they, i 
and they didn't know and they didn't turn it off. Mm-hmm. So um, okay. so we found them with um, with uh, the Find My iPhone feature. Right, right, yeah. And got into this big kerfuffle with uh, with this kind of uh, like where where were they? Eastern European you... uh, break in crew. Oh, okay, yeah. They were down by the by the boats in Stockholm by um, you know by that big streets by Strandvägen. Oh yeah, along okay. the water, along uh, the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so we, uh, basically, the, by the time that we find them, they're walking down the street. Mm. They, they've actually been sitting by a bin. We find later. Okay. Uh, and and basically throwing stuff away. Uh, that they, that they didn't need. want, yeah, yeah. Mm. and then um, and kind of sorting stuff, mm. and then packing it into two bags, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, and you are you um, like uh, an aliens just with a tracker on your computer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically we're like beep 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 beep. That's in the room, man. And yeah. then and then we see them walk, and I actually like I saw them walking out of the theater. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they looked weird. Mm. Because uh, I, I was there, like saying goodbye to people and writing autographs for kids, mm-hmm. and and I, and I, I like, and some part of my consciousness noticed them walk out, and I could see that their energy was odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so then when I see them, I recognize them, and I also see that one of them is wearing my backpack. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, mm. And but now they're obviously moving, and they've been mm. still in the same spot for a long time doing mm. this sorting. Mm-hmm. So now they're moving. And it's Friday night. We've already called the police. Okay. But yeah. I also we I realized that they're not going to come for half an hour because it's Friday night and they're not going to prioritize. Mm. How many are them and how many are like you guys? That. There was two of them, and there was basically two of us. <laughs> there was well, there was yeah. three of us, mm. but one of us is uh, was kind of in a car and was talking with the police. And oh yeah, was yeah not, okay, like, okay. It was me and my assistant Martin. Mm. Um, who who does uh, work as a stuntman and and, and was part of the Jackie Chan <laughs> stunt team in Hong Kong? <laughs> there, there we go. Yeah, so which helps, <laughs> of course. Yeah, uh, and he's also a runner. Like he's an acrobat. Mm, mm, mm. So you're not going to get get away from him, no. So yeah. So and basically, we we basically jumped out and went. Huh, like right mm-hmm. in front of them, like give us the bags, uh. and and it, it turned into this kerfuffle, and one of them ran off, like dropped the, the bag and ran off to Yulgorn. Apparently, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it seemed police had tracked him there and then lost him later on. Uh, he was probably hidden in some bushes there, and the other one ran away with uh, Martin's bag. Because and Martin right. had bought uh, this is the stuntman. He had bought a new laptop the day before, oh, for fuck's and sake. he okay, had brought yeah. it in. Uh, to the theater for me to help him install some stuff like on his Mac on his mm. new on his new mm. computer I was going to help him with some okay <laughs> and uh, so he's he's watching his new computer run away from him and uh, so he starts chasing and he's of course <laughs> he's in really good shape and yeah. he was like I would have run I would have run to Uppsala <laughs> Uppsala is like an hour and a half drive away yeah, 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 he yeah. was like no, no way! I would, I would have run forever, right, and right, I can right. run. Mm, <laughs> mm. So yeah, it's a big weird thing, and then this guy ends up jumping onto a boat. Okay, that's some like with a boat with no. It's a harbor there, like yeah, a yeah, boat yeah. with no people on it, and so we're standing there, and we're like, "Look, just relax. Uh, the police are coming. Just sit down. You can't get off this boat." No, that's the worst place to run to. Yeah. 
I mean, you, but, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, you're, he's running away from this. Guy. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he could run any other way. No, no, he wouldn't get, a, get and, away. And anyway, then but. it's a weird that just wait, and then he he uh, he uh, he picks up his phone and he starts calling someone and talking like very um, uh, w- w- with great emotion with in Russian, and I see in front of me that him he's calling his his like. Russian mob friends mm. that are now going to come driving in a car very soon. Uh, so at that point, um, I jump onto the boat and take the phone from him Damn. and hold him down until the police come. And it it goes to trial. He got actually little time in jail, mm. and um, and I got all my stuff back except for my phone, which I think he threw into the ocean. Oh, for, okay. Um, <sighs> to not have any evidence on him. Mm, mm-hmm. All right. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a weird story. I don't know. I I I I, know, I do realize I'm a little bit weird to 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 chase my stuff like that. It's the street performer in me. It's it You're is not going to take any shit. No, it's an odd thing. Like in the if you're a street performer, you're also in a you're quite you're often the, I mean if you most countries if you go if something happens to you and go to the police, no one is going to help you. No, okay. Like why so were you, you why yeah. were you doing shows in the street? Like it's not a you got to help yourself. Yeah, so this that's also why the community is so tight knit. We know each other yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're really uh, good friends, and there's a lot right. of solidarity. Like if a street yeah. performer if a street performer gets injured, mm. which happens once in a while, we usually do a big collection and mm. collect mm. thousands of dollars for them so that they can they can live. Yeah. While while they're healing. Yeah. And I guess you um, stayed at each other's apartments. And yeah. Places I have people staying at my apartment sometimes that I've never even met. Mm, mm. Uh, I just hear from someone, hey, this person is is coming to Stockholm. They're one of us. Mm. And I just give them my keys. Like it's it's kind of like a, it's a really nice community. Like yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. And vouch for each other. It's really sweet. Like yeah, yeah. It's mm. a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. The, the street from a community. I mean, there's it's a, it's a lot of. There's, there's there's some assholes. There's definitely a lot of weirdos mm. in the good way. Sure, yeah. like it's a very, but but yeah, but in general, it's it's quite it's really it's quite nice. Like you wouldn't fuck each other over, really. It in, happens in to some extent, but it's really it's more really like there's definitely a solidarity. Mm. Um, and, and there's also that aspect of like like there's people that that would fuck someone over, but. If it really counted, mm-hmm. they would be definitely there to help that person oh. the day after. Like it's not okay, a, okay, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, like when it really matters, it, there's a huge amount of solidarity. Mm. But correct me if I'm wrong. You knew, now we're doing the uh, comedy analogy again. But um, there are a lot of honor system situations going on when it comes to magic isn't it like that trick is my trick and stuff like that so if if i I teach you the trick and say you can use it then it's fine but otherwise if you work out oh i know i was doing that and doing it then you kind of break a code too right yeah 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 yeah. so it's a bit like the joke writing thing joke writing among comedians where maybe technically you have no legal protection no uh because you can't trademark it yeah and because it's it's such a small world mm. that that there's no like the there's no point for the legal system to deal with it it applies to too few people that it's no 
So, so yeah, you, you have very little legal protection, if you, but you can also spend a lot of time developing something and inventing yeah, it. Yeah. So what we have instead is basically a, a system like the stand-ups, like the comedians have, I guess, where, where if someone steals something in obvious ways, uh, then they get kind of ostracized. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of all we can do. It's like, mm. well, if you're, if you're uh, going to do that, I'm not going to be nice to you. Mm, yeah, no, Basically. no, no. Everybody's going to be talking about it in the, in yeah. their shows and their podcasts and whatever. And I've seen, you know, situations where some comedians go up on stage when they hear like that is my fucking joke, you know, yeah, yeah, and I've everybody here knows that. it. And, yeah, uh, yeah. The the show is not funny anymore, but it's interesting, I guess. So, but has that happened to you that you you have done developed things that you later seen like, that's mine? Yeah, it's that. happened to me quite a lot, actually. It has. Okay. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, to prove it, it's uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when it's really clear, it's. But emotionally, it's tricky. Yeah. Uh, hey man, I thought f- we were friends. That kind of thing. Well, it, my, my friends wouldn't do that. No. That's the different. Uh, but it's also like sometimes people will steal it outright. Mm. Something you made, mm. and uh, and then it's quite easy to send a message and saying, "Hey, can you." Please do this. Can you please stop doing it? And 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 but sometimes people will steal it to a very clear degree, but they change it around just a tiny bit, mm-hmm. and then it's like uh, it's hard to. You kind of have to let it go, mm, yeah. but it's just like uh, it does really doesn't feel good. No, no, no. And then other times it's a kind of young person that does it coming up yeah Mm. and like Mm. if someone does it who's like 17 or 18 Mm. and then i often i like i whenever i if i ever say anything to anyone about i'm very i've tried to be really nice but then i'm like if it's a young person i'm i really try to give them a bunch of advice and but i i feel like i i try to still say something because because Otherwise, in 10 years, now they're 28 mm. and they're still doing that material. And now they can't stop mm. because mm. now that's the, their best material. Yeah. Like that's their, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's annoying. It's, it's, it's sad because also magic, there's people don't know this, but there's so much material magic material that's kind of in the public domain, so to speak. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like our ethics is like if something is published mm. in a book or in a in a yeah. magazine or whatever mm. then you can people can use it and there's millions of magic tricks out there that are published yeah. Yeah. and there's zillions of variations on those millions like it's a ridiculous amount of material mm. that mm. anyone can do mm. so to then take something that someone invented mm. and and put years into developing and just do it and and kind of now that's suddenly not unique to that person. Mm, mm. That's just so rude. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so interesting to watch uh, like shows like uh, Penn and Teller's Fool uh, Fool Us. Yeah. Where it's you know variations maybe of standards, but then something happens that, that what the fuck? How did you do that? Like, yeah. uh, I don't know really if it's if it's arranged a little bit that some things they actually do know but they still want to give the guy credit or something sometimes maybe that happens i don't, I know. don't think so you don't think so no no but but, but generally that what happened because that it happens quite often that someone goes on mm. 
and says and does something really well mm. and and they know that it's not going to fool Penn and Teller no, yeah. because they know that Penn and Teller knows how it works already yeah, no and Penn and Teller says that was really beautiful we, we obviously know how it works yeah because we know it like yeah. we're not going to say because we're not going to it's you, masterfully yeah. like yeah. they're very respectful um i like about that show that the people that go on there the, the people that kind of compete what do you call it compete is maybe weird but the people that that go on there they are often really good magicians mm, yeah. and many of them i have known the names of for a really long time oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like some of them are famous in the magic world mm. But no one outside of the magic world knows them. Oh. And it's it's really nice that there's a venue for people like that mm. that really are great mm. magicians mm-hmm. to, to show off some of their material. Yeah. Actually, I think uh, Paul Vigil went on there. Mm. This is what I heard. I haven't seen it now. But Paul Vigil is a really great magician. Yeah, I, I, I really, recognize the name. Really nice guy. I like him a lot as well. Uh, Vegas-based. But he, um, he uh, this is what I heard. I haven't seen it, but this, I heard that he went on there and uh and he had published and he did this amazing trick and then and i think what they even said is well we know you you wrote a pamphlet that describes this with uh, mm-hmm. and you only published it in like 50 <laughs> 50 edition like there's only 50 of them or something but i happen to own one of them so uh, like, no, no i no. can't like yeah. Yeah. No, I like you said it's uh they do it with uh, respect and stuff like that. If they don't don't want to out yeah, anyone's I mean, tricks magic. even though, though they know if they can ask leading questions like could you do this without the table and they're like no. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so te- but Teller is probably the best magician in life. Poss- possibly the best magician in life. Really? He would probably say Johnny Thompson. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I, yeah, I would, yeah. yeah, yeah, Teller is definitely the main contender for for that if there is such a thing interesting uh, he's the quiet so, guy as well so yeah <laughs> he's the guy who doesn't speak mm. uh, but and he has but he has a huge he i mean he has a huge amount of magic is like his life like it's mm-hmm. huge amount of respect for the art form of magic yeah um yeah he doesn't there's a funny story on uh on one of penn's old podcasts because mm. penn was a good friend of um of lou reed Oh yeah, and uh, you should listen to that sometime if you like Lou Reed. Penn oh, did, yeah, a, do, yeah. did a podcast after Lou Reed passed away, yeah, yeah. Hmm. and he um, he talks about how he, Penn actually used to be the, uh, the the he started the the American fan club for Velvet Underground. Mm. He ran the f- fan club for Velvet oh, Underground. Oh, uh, and so both both Penn and Teller were great fans of. Of Velvet Underground and Lou Reed, mm. and they did an off-Broadway show once. And uh, yeah, Penn tells this story much more fun in his podcast. But but they 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 walk out on stage, and Teller is supposed to be completely silent, yeah, and never yeah. speaks. So they walk out on stage, and then and the lights come on, and the first thing that happens in the show is that Teller says, "Holy shit, is that Lou Reed?" <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I got to see Lou Reed uh, live before. Uh, oh really? Passed. Yeah, yeah. I saw him in two thousand and five. Ah damn. Yeah, it, it was good, and it was that. Uh, oh, what was the album's name? The Raven. He had just done the Raven right. uh, release, I think. So, uh, so it was that tour where you had a Tai Chi master on stage at all times. Very weird. <laughs> um, okay. Uh. But have you had any like famous magicians take you under their wing and showed you a couple of tricks that and said you can use this now and uh, 
Yeah, I would say so. Um, but I think the main one that I uh, was a man called Jim Cellini. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably the greatest street magician that ever lived. Mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, I wouldn't. Say, I don't want to say that I was his student. Uh, for two reasons, partly because I wasn't, and partly <laughs> because uh, he was he he used to always uh, several times he told me that he only ever had three people that studied with him, mm. and there was like so many people that would say that they were his students, and they, they it really pissed him off. Mm-hmm. And he sometimes said stuff about people like, "If that guy was my student, he would be able to do magic at least decently." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Really we have that with uh, some uh, <laughs> some acting uh, teachers as well. Actually, really? like, uh, people say, like, yeah, I studied with him, so now I can I can teach his uh, techniques. No, you fucking can't because you have to be taught by the you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. So he was one of those. He, he lived in Zurich, uh, in Switzerland. Uh, it was actually th- 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 those uh, those times when I did shows there with the uh, stag parties. Mm. That was when I was staying on his couch. Mm. Um, hanging out and listening to stories all day. He was uh, really amazing. Uh, but I would say he, he he told me more stories and taught me about life than he did teach me magic tricks. But there's definitely oh, a bunch yeah, of stuff yeah. that he taught me um, that are really interesting. Mm. Yeah, he was he was an amazing magician. Mm. Um, but mainly I, I learned from talking to my peers, like to other magicians. Um, mm. Yeah. Good magicians, we talk a lot about magic. Like yeah, we yeah. just sit around and Cheering. discuss. Yeah, and we discuss and discuss. Like we we do stuff and we we ask for feedback or we describe ideas. And do you have any way this could work? Like we mm, have this mm. kind of. I work a lot with Marlin, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is here? I I talk a lot with. Uh, yeah, different people. Mm, mm, mm. And. Um... If one would be like out totally outside the world today and want to get into it, and of course they just can't start. I mean, sure, if you start out a little bit, you will eventually start hanging out with other magicians and performers and so on, and and uh, like you said, just learn from each other and uh, whatever. But before that, I guess you gotta you know watch YouTube and uh, get books and stuff like yeah, that. What, what would you recommend? Is it like, this is the book to get or whatever? I, I don't know in terms of beginner stuff. Um, I would just probably just go on YouTube or look at message boards and ask, like, mm. if I want to learn magic, what should I start with? Because mm. uh, I'm not so good in that area. But definitely, like, if you know a little bit, if you learn, actually take the time to learn a, bit, a little bit of magic, mm. most magicians would teach you more. Uh-huh. It's like you, basically the rule is not that you can't teach magic to anyone. You can't. You, you, what you're not allowed to do is to just explain it for no reason. Mm. Um, mm. So it's like if someone, but so if someone comes to me and they they they, they want to like learn some more or get some advice or whatever, then what they really what they have to prove is that they've put a, some time and effort into it. Mm. And if they've done that, then mm. they. I can teach them more, like they can learn more. Um, that's kind of the, there's this, like, I think the saying is, you can imagine this being said with some sort of Ian McKellen-esque voice. Oh, yes. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> the the door to magic is not locked. It is merely closed. Right. That, that's mm. that's what they say. Mm. Yeah. You must find the key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Of course, yeah. Uh, so you, uh, I didn't think about forums. Uh, you guys must have like uh, the official forum where you guys <laughs> hang out. And you... I think there's a bunch. Of, yeah, uh, there's a bunch of magic forums. Mm. I don't. I, I mean, I, I don't hang out like that so much. I don't have the attention span okay. for it. Mm. So, so it, when like what I mainly do is I I, I talk with people. I I, I use Skype or mm, mm, like mm. some sort of chat function and mm. discuss things. Or mm, right. Uh, well, I mentioned before, like you've been to. It says on your website fifty-one countries. That's a whole fucking. It lot. might okay. be fifty-two now, actually, because uh. I performed in Pakistan. Oh this yeah, year. I saw and I don't that. think that's counted in there. And that was at the Swedish embassy. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, and you did some show that Obama also yeah, talked at. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, of course. That was at a place. Where was that? What was that? It was in Finland. Okay. Yeah, it was a big, um, big, um, like business event. Okay. Where I performed mm. and mm. and Obama did a speech. I never got to meet him. Okay. Oh, mm. I tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never got to meet him. But a lot of security in the way. <laughs> Crazy security. Yeah. Uh, one interesting thing was at one point, uh, suddenly a bunch of walls just popped up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever played Fortnite. I haven't. I just seen it. Yeah. So <laughs> thing in that game, you just plop up walls everywhere. Okay, so. because you have to make a fort. So there's these uh, big, uh, yeah, there's yeah. these big structures that you just mm. build like. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and 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 it kind of was like was like that. Like mm-hmm. suddenly there was this play. Suddenly some walls just went bloop 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 bloop, bloop just popped <laughs> up. Okay. And I I think it was because um, uh, Obama was going to walk past there, mm-hmm. so they they just made it so that you couldn't see. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like walls that would hold anyone out. It was just like walls, so you couldn't see anything. Yeah, block the vision. Just uh, bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> it was really interesting. <laughs> that, that's that's what I saw about of him, except for when he was on stage. Ah. Wow. Yeah. Even though he's not the president anymore, he has to have that level think, of security. I think American around. presidents have, have security for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, statistically, I mean, uh, I don't know if you can say statistically since it's not more than a thousand people and uh, such, but it is the da- most dangerous job in the world uh, when it's, since it's... To been, be the American president? Yeah, yeah. Because there are 40, uh, how many, 40 something that, are, that has been president and... Uh, some of them have have died. So it's like a third. No, died? not a third. It's well, quite a few. Well, it's quite a few, yeah, but not that many. But uh, a lot of them has died right. in office. Yeah. yeah. So uh, statistically, that is the most dangerous job. There in the must world, be other know. countries where it's more dangerous to be the president. Sure, but uh, probably like uh, there have been fewer of them or something. Uh, I don't know. I right. Don't know. Yeah. Hmm. But this is a statistic I heard. But some, then some people would say, well, since it's just 43, 44, or whatever it is, it's not enough to be a statistical blah, blah, blah. Right. You know. Well, something like that. Um, but it's just like, okay, 52 countries. Uh, I think, yeah. In, I have... in, in seven languages. So do you actually speak seven languages? No. So no. enough to make uh, a show yeah, around the, it? Well, there, there's two languages I kind of speak that I've done shows in mm-hmm. additionally except for English and Swedish. And then there's three other languages where I basically just learned it by heart. Mm. Oh, yeah, I just yeah, learned yeah. my show. Oh, okay. And then I performed it. And, um, yeah. <laughs> mm. Which languages <clears throat> are these? The, those three ones are... Uh, like, the two I kind of speak is Spanish and German. Mm. And the, the next three are Japanese, Korean, and French. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Japanese and Korean... 
probably not as similar as one would think since they're close. No, but, but, I don't remember so much of the Korean because I just learned that for a very short thing. Because um, when you hear them speak, it's like, oh, no, that's totally different. Yeah, yeah. But, but Japanese, I still remember almost, oh, okay. m- most of the show, I think, even though it was a very long time yeah, yeah, yeah. since I did it. Um, you just need a couple of days to brush it up and then you can go over probably. there and do the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I, I wouldn't need a big brush up. All right. Uh, I I remember one of my long sentences was from my my bottling speech when I asked for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- maybe this will be wrong, and some some of your Japanese <laughs> listeners will tell me, right. "No, no, you've forgotten exactly how it is. You no, have okay. to change it to this." But I think uh, it's "Moshi watashi no sho tanoshikatara o saifo dashite zen yen dashite o saifo boshi ni irete kurasai." It means uh, uh, if you enjoyed the show. Uh, come forward, take out your wallet, take out a thousand yen, and put your wallet in the hat. Oh, okay. Funny. <laughs> yeah. That's right. mm. And I guess, I mean, uh, <laughs> everywhere you go, it's so appreciated that you try to speak the language. And so when you do a whole show in it, and even though it's not perfect, they must be like, yay. Yeah, but amazing. also in Japan, you have to. People in Japan don't speak don't English. Speak English no, yeah. we, mm. we have the impression they do, because when we meet Japanese people in Europe, mm. they all speak good English and they all apologize a lot for 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 mm, not speaking mm, good English mm. and you're always like what are you your English is great like yeah it's fine yeah. but then mm. when you're in Japan the people you realize the people you met were the very few that spoke English yeah they may be like they're business people and they travel in the yeah the work and, travel yeah, so they know yeah mm-hmm. yeah but it's it's mm. it leads to weird funny things like because you're doing I'm, if I'm doing a show like that mm. I always get pretty I make sure I get pretty good diction or like um that I say the words pretty well. Yeah. So everyone think that I speak good English or, or I speak the language well, yeah, 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 fluently. Yeah. Yeah. But but really I have no, I just know some sounds mm-hmm. that I make. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then afterwards they come up and they try to talk and it's like, <laughs> I have no... I, may I stop you there? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, this is a nomadic lifestyle, of course. So... Do you have a home right now? No, no, I do. Yeah, I, but I had like a long time, many, many years when I didn't live anywhere. Mm. When I, everything I had was in two suitcases, essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, for years and years. And it was probably the happiest time of my life. <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you really, you like it. But uh, is it some, at the same time a straining existence? You, you felt like, okay, I got to stop though. Or... Yeah, no, I I just ended up, get, when I started performing more in Sweden, I ended up getting an apartment. Mm. And then now I'm just like really moved in there and I have so much, so much crap. And it's up in Stockholm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, I'm based in Stockholm, but I, I'm, I, I'm try, travel more than six months mm. of the year. Mm. Uh, That's a lot. Yeah. yeah actually, my, this winter I, I did a tour. Uh, I was away for five and a half in a row mm, mm. which was very long mm, yeah for me that is actually kind of the dream to to uh, travel in in my work i mean yeah. i would love to do in the springtime spend a couple of months to do a, a movie and uh, then have the summer off and be home maybe and then in the fall period maybe do a season of a tv show and then back mm-hmm. on doing another thing you know and uh have to travel to different countries to do those gigs that would be that would be amazing it, it is yeah. pretty fun it's also i mean it, it does screw up your life quite a lot 
Yeah, I guess so. Um, but that, that is your life then. So Yeah, it's so. true. It's true. Mm. Uh, but it's but not good for relationships, of course. It's terrible for relationships. No. Um, yeah. So sometimes, sometimes it works, it, depending on what the person you're dating does. Yeah. It works. Mm. But it's also, oh, man, I've had so many, like, early relationships ruined by, like, you meet someone, things are going really well, and you're really interested in this person. Mm. But then I, now suddenly I have to go for two or three months, and mm. then you come back, and it's mm. over. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to round this off. Uh, how do we uh, fi- find you uh, if we want to book you or just follow you around, oh, see what you do? I uh, don't know. Well, I have a website now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. It's charliecaper.com. I'm looking and, at and, and I'm on Facebook somehow, yeah. Somehow, okay. So no Instagram, no Twitter, no... I am on Instagram, but I don't really post anything. Ah, Maybe okay. one mm. time I will start. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not on there. Watch out I, for I, it. I, I have an Instagram account, which is Charlie Caper, but I've mm. uploaded like 15 images or something oh, okay. over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But, but people are trying to get me to, to upload some stuff because I, mm. I mean... With all the weird robots that I have, it's a stra- there's a lot of opportunities for good pictures. But yeah, I mean, it's not only to show hints of what you do in your show, but also show when you make them, probably, yeah. and stuff. There's a lot of nice stuff, but I, I, don't, I don't have so much attention span. Like, I'm bad at all that sort of stuff. Me too, I'm terrible. It's almost like a halftime job just to take care of your social media, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, it's, ugh, I can't do it. I... I can't do it with Facebook either. Mm. I have colleagues that be like, if you don't have 10,000 followers, you're nobody. I'm sorry, I have 360 something. (laughs) 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 Yeah. All right. This has been a good talk. Yeah, sweet. Thank you for coming. Oh, cheers. It's fun. All right. Yeah. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 